welcome to the next JNIS uh, podcast. This is uh, Philippe C. Albuquerque. I am the new editor-in-chief of the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery. Uh, we are fortunate today to have Dr. Ryan McTaggart from the Diagnostic Imaging Department at Brown University, who we have asked to speak regarding his uh, most recent article entitled Decreasing Procedure Times with a Standardized Approach to Elvo Cases. Uh, Ryan, welcome uh, to the podcast, and thank you very much for accepting our invitation. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be a part of the JNIS podcast, and congratulations on your new editorial editor position. Thanks, Ryan. The whole issue of ELVO cases uh, has reached uh, real uh, importance now with the publication of the uh, positive randomized trial and, and certainly the intense media uh, interest in the treatment of stroke patients. And this article, I think, uh, fits perfectly into this uh, effort uh, on the part of the JNIS to continue to publish these uh, timely and relevant articles. So, um, Ryan, I wanted to ask you a few questions first about how you and your team conceived of this particular uh, project and what were your specific aims? Um, well, I think the backstory really uh, for this paper and, and what we're doing here at, at, at Royal Island Hospital as a whole is um, goes back to some of the articles that uh, JNIS uh, uh, published with regard to the initial uh, management of ELVO patients, uh, initial hospital management of ELVO patients. And in that article, um, the Standards and Guidelines Committee said, well, look, you know, if, if time is really brain and uh, this embolectomy procedure is, is truly profoundly dependent, um, we should probably push ourselves to, to you know, innovate uh, care delivery uh, for these patients. And and in that article, we basically said, look, uh, you know, we think an ideal workflow times would be a door-to-TPA time of 30 minutes, a door-to-groin puncture time of 60 minutes, and a door-to-recanalization time of 90 minutes. And when that was first sort of forwarded um, to the Standards and Guidelines Committee, it was um, there was sort of a mixed reaction in that some people thought it was too aggressive. Um, other people said, look, well, you know, if, if this is what these patients need, maybe we should set it as an ideal and, and, and sort of have people work towards it um, so these patients benefit. So it's really with, with in that context that we sort of came up with this plan of, look, if, if we want to set that as a standard, then we better sort of make sure things are in order in our own house. And that means that we better be able to do a recanalization in 30 minutes if we're going to expect that the system moves at 30, 60, 90. And so um, it's very hard to ask other people to move quickly if you're not moving quickly yourself. And it's for that reason that we came up with the idea of um, maintaining our you know, biplane neuroangiography room in an elbow-ready state and also standardizing the procedure um, so we could be, perform it as quickly as possible. So how easy was it then for the three members of the uh, neurointerventional team to come up with this uh, list of 13 parameters? I know at our institution, um, between me and my partner, we do have our own preferences, and I'm not entirely sure we'd be able to come up with, <laughs> with a list of the <laughs> parameters that we actually agreed upon. So tell me a little bit about how that, uh, that discussion went. Uh, it was actually quite easy. Uh, our senior partner, Richard Haas, 
uh, is very accommodating. Um, and uh, Mahesh and I have a wonderful working relationship, and it, both of us were willing to do whatever it took um, to, to sort of standardize the procedure. Um, we sort of took, you know, personal preferences. Uh, for example, the 845 sheath in my experience and fellowship uh, thought sort of added stability for, you know, difficult arches. Um, he sort of wasn't, hadn't used that before, but was willing to try it. Um, I, for example, had not used it at the time slip casts in the shuttle system, um, but he was very comfortable with that and, and preferred that. And I said, well, I'll use that system. Um, uh, and so uh, it was a little bit of give and take, but uh, I think that's really what's required to sort of uh, uh, achieve what we achieved here. And it, it, it is, it's a standardization, so we're really reducing the cognitive load. Everyone knows what's happening. Um, no one really needs to ask a question. Um, and quite frankly, even though we, I think we said that uh, questions uh, 1, 4, and 12 were sort of subject to each procedure, um, I think the only the only time we ever sort of have any um, debate or, or any sort of variation when we do these cases is just the angiographic uh, catheter tip we use. Uh, we, we very, uh, very frequently use a 625 uh, Trevo uh, stent retriever, um, um, and uh, we universally place an 845 sheath. So there's really even less variability than we indicate in the article. So as you mentioned, there were a total of 13 standardization points, and of those 13, there were three that um, that really were made on the fly uh, based on the results of the CT angiogram. I did have a couple of questions about some of your particular preferences. Why, why did you guys choose primarily to go with the stent retriever rather than uh, trying an adapt or aspiration procedure first? So that, that's an excellent question, and I and I don't have a great answer other than we're a high volume center, and uh, we have just found that uh, this new captive technique, which the JNIS was just uh, uh, gracious enough to review and publish, is incredibly reliable. With this captive technique, we get 100% uh, TICI 2B, 2C, and 3, um, uh, and it's typically uh, it's a high one pass rate, and if it's sort of if you have something that works if it, and it's not broken, you don't fix it. So while I do think that uh, ADAPT is a, a wonderful mechanical thrombectomy uh, procedure, it's just not something that we've uh, really investigated very much because we're just very comfortable with this procedure that we know works. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that obviously there are particular preferences with, with how to manage these patients uh, with either stent retriever or a combination of, of the two or aspiration primarily. So I understand um, that particular preference. We're uh, just regarding a couple of the other uh, issues. Why did you guys uh, opt not to perform a baseline angiogram? Uh, is, was that also something that you felt was just a, a time uh, conservation method? So that's not part of the 13 steps, but that's a great point. And, and we do vary on that. I will typically perform uh, a baseline angiogram. I'll perform a baseline angiogram and then smart mask off that. Um, Rich, uh, Dr. Rich Haas and Mahesh um, uh, generally uh, will do a, a, just a, a hand injection, um, may or may not send the images over and will sort of uh, use live fluoro um, to navigate. 
Um, but we, so we do vary uh, in, in that regard. Um, I can't totally speak for them, but I do think that they just do that small hand injection um, and proceed uh, for a, a time-saving measure. Okay. And how about those patients that are coming either directly from another hospital or from the field to the angiographic suite? Are you still getting CT angiograms on these patients? Uh, or no, and, and that's the transfer from ho other hospitals. That's a, a great question, and and I think that uh, we are also somewhat unique in the way we manage our transfer patients. So we believe in getting the CT angiogram at the primary uh, stroke center. So we have a primary uh, stroke center ELVO protocol um, whereby we have uh, uh, outside institutions call us within 15 minutes of arrival based on a LAM score, and if that LAM score is 4 or 5, the patient immediately has a CT angiogram with the non-con CT the first time they go to the CT scanner at the primary stroke center. And we remotely are able to remotely view uh, those images um, and then plan the procedure uh, and help manage the patient um, uh, at the primary stroke center. And they are transferred directly to our biplane neuroangiography suite without repeat imaging in most cases. Um, uh, the, the rare exception are cases where there's a delay in transfer or uh, there's a poor collateral score or questionable aspects on the outside uh, CT, CT angiogram, and, and there's been some time delay in the transfer. But the vast majority of cases, uh, well over 90%, um, all patients that have that elbow confirmation at the outside hospital go straight to our biplane neuroangiography suite here at Rhode Island Hospital. You mentioned in the results section also, Ryan, that there were no differences in the recanalization rate uh, and no uh, in significant intraprocedural complications, which is a fantastic result. Um, I'm curious as to why you didn't look at outcomes uh, in these patients. Um, I know that you specified at the beginning that you were specifically looking at reducing the time, but can you comment a bit on on and outcomes and, and what you perceive would be the change in outcomes going forward? For this paper, there was a little uh, more remote, the database. So I think as a lot of our Rankin scores um, for group one were a little uh, inconsistent and incomplete. And I think for that reason, they, they weren't reported. Um, but uh, uh, our database is now a little more granular uh, and reliable. Uh, and I assume now that you have this new standardization process, you'll be tracking your results going forward, and, and we anticipate uh, and look forward to future publications uh, regarding this new procedure. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think the one of the wonderful things about uh, the uh, SNIS is that we all come from different heritage, and I think that we have neurologists, neurosurgeons, and, and radiologists that can all sort of work together um, to strategically innovate the care we're delivering. Um, and uh, certainly, we are all very adept at doing that uh, in the angio suite, but I think we all need to work together um, to, to speed the, the initial uh, workflow as well. Um, and I think that uh, this is a great example of what we can do in the suite, and I think we now have to take it to um, what happens as soon as the patient hits the door. And I think that uh, if we all do that together and work together and uh, share results and ideas you know, through JNIS and at our annual meetings, I think we're going to achieve 30, 60, 90 with uh, far greater frequency than uh, we all expect. 
Well, I appreciate uh, you again joining us today, uh, Ryan McTaggart, uh, in discussing this paper. Uh, as I mentioned at the outset, the paper is entitled Decreasing Procedure Times with a Standardized Approach to Elbow Cases. It is currently available online on our website and is published in our January of 2017 hard copy issue of the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery. <music>